Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the OrcoCast. My name is the Orcosaurus, and in this podcast, I'm talking to indie game developers about their games and the video game industry in general. So, if you like my show, then please consider subscribing on YouTube, thumb the video up, ring the bell, leave a comment, and if you're listening to one of the many podcast platforms, please consider us giving a review. And if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon. Thank you, everyone, and now on to the show. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the ArcoCast. With me today is Glitch. Hello, Glitch. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm a Glitch. I'm from Argentina. I've been making a game for the past uh, five years now, and I'm a full stack developer on on my work hours, (laughs) and then I'm a full on game developer at night, so. That sounds absolutely amazing. Like every indie dev, you're a um, full-time developer at night, or almost every indie dev I've, I've talked so far. So you are currently working on a game that is called Ad Wars. It's currently on early access in on Steam, is that right? Yes, it's good. Yes. <clears throat> on our, so, as early access. Yeah. So how would you describe your game to somebody who has never played it? Okay, my game is the very own definition of an adventure. Uh, I took the the concept of having an adventure with multiple parts that are different, and I elevated to the uh, thousand degree. <laughs> so the game works. Uh, it's a multi-genre game. So it means that uh, on one level you can be playing a platformer, then you can be playing a, a JRPG battle, and then you can be um, playing a top-down shooter or a bullet hell. To me. Uh, having those different, very different sections combines into a, a unique adventure. Um, and my game is about uh, a world that is being taken by by the ad companies. So you travel uh, inside the internet, <clears throat> um, trying to destroy all the ads. Okay. So I've I've played a little bit about your game, and the first thing that that I also noticed is that you basically play with different different genres of gaming like you said it's can be an rpg it can be a shoot 'em up it can be a jump and run and you made all this in rpg maker right no it's made on construct 2 actually construct 2 okay i always had the impression it's it's an rpg maker i don't know why okay then i take that back um but construct 2 okay um, I've never heard of Construct 2 as an engine, actually, so enlighten me. Uh, it's a wave, web-based engine. Um, it's very different from the, all the other engines, as in you don't get to, to write any code. It's an event-based uh, engine. But I really like it because uh, each level, each map that you create, you can have its own unique game. You're not tied to anything. So it was perfect for me to to swap between between genres. Uh, of course, as any web-based engine, it has its own limitations. Um, but it's been it's been a really nice experience uh, working on that engine. Um, I'm I can tell you this exclusive news, but we are looking into uh, migrating into into Construct Three right now. So um, because there are some tech, some tech aspects about the the 
the old version that it, it's getting a little bit updated, but uh, it's still a really nice engine, especially if you're new into game development. Uh, it's really nice for a beginner. Okay, so it's a good beginner's engine, you said. How, how did you um, get to know of the engine and how hard was it to learn the actual engine? Oh, that's a really nice question. Um, when I was 18 years old, um, I, I wanted to try out uh, game development. I knew I, when I was a, a child that I wanted to be a game developer, but I haven't I hadn't tried it in, in a company environment until I was 18. I joined a, a game jam and uh, the company where I was working uh, just told me that I had to learn that engine in like two days before the, the game jam. <laughs> So I had to, and and the funniest part is that um, at the time of the game jam, uh, the other uh, developers couldn't make it. So I was the only developer with two days of experience. Uh, but I was make, I was able to make a, a game uh, still. Uh, but it was like a chaotic experience having to learn that in two days. Um, I will describe it that uh, that it's very easy to to learn, but it's kind of hard to make something super complex. Uh, it's more meant to be for more simpler games, at least uh, Construct version 2. Uh, version 3, it, it seems like it's more uh, for bigger games now, but uh, there, there are some limitations to the to the to version 2. Okay, so earlier you said we are planning maybe on migrating to um, the, the third iteration of the engine. We as in, are you working in a team with people or are you working alone? Uh, no, let, let me tell you a little bit background about the, the, the team. I started making the game in 2017. Uh, I was working all alone. I had to learn how to code for games, for, for this type of game. I had to learn game design. I learned how to compose, how to make graphics. And I was making the game alone for like a year, uh, a year and a half. In 2019, I decided that I wasn't making that much progress. Um, so I had I got a job to get some funds for the game and I hired uh, an artist. Uh, that's when the artist, Lucas, uh, which I call uh, the wizard, joined the team. He was the first member. And it, it was a really um, life-changing experience for me because I wasn't working all alone. I had to take it more seriously. Um, we had due times and, and all new other things that we we didn't have before. I didn't have before. So after that, a good, a pretty close friend of mine, uh, Inspector Balls. Yeah, that's his actual username. He's a, a, a pianist, and he he's a really nice composer. He like in five minutes he can he can make a song. So he always he knew that I was making a game, and he kept sending me demos for songs. And I kept rejecting him because I wanted to work alone on the game. I wanted to try hard the game. But one day he he sent a song that absolutely blew blew my mind, and I I couldn't. I couldn't not let that song into the game because it was going to be harmful to not put a, a, a really a, such a great song into the game. Uh, the funny part is that that song didn't make it uh, until now because we're working on the level that uses that song. Uh, but after that, he joined the team. He made a lot of songs. He's an amazing composer. Uh, after that, 
I kept making all the SFX for the game, all the sound effects. Uh, but I got tired one day, and I was there was a lot of overwork that I uh, was doing on on the SFX, and I wasn't making progress. So I opened up the, the way and uh, hired Juan, um, which is uh, our sound effects guy. <laughs> the funny story is that uh, I didn't. My, one one of my friends told me about a famous Argentinian composer. Uh, Shout out to Ariel Contreras Esquivel. Uh, he was telling me uh, about that guy because he's famous here, uh, in, there in Argentina. And uh, he told me about that guy, uh, like a casual conversation. But the fun part is that uh, he he didn't he I understood that conversation as he was friends of Ariel. Um, so I, I went up and messaged Ariel. I DM Ariel on Instagram and asked if he wanted to be my uh, my sound effects guy. Uh, he told me he kindly rejected, but not not in a bad way. But but she told me that he was working on another project. Uh, spoiler alert: that project was Far Cry 6. <laughs> so it was crazy. My friend didn't know Ariel, so I wasn't nobody asking for for that. Uh, but he recommended Juan, which was a, a good friend of him, and that also was a really good idea. To the to the cast. Uh, so then I met Subtonic, and uh, she and I were when were dating at the time. And uh, she wanted uh, she is, she's also a pianist and a really good composer. And I let her uh, compose some songs for the game. She she did six songs. Um, then this year I I I wanted to scale up the the audio production of the game, the music production. So I I did a a, a tweet. Uh, and I got like 260 replies. <laughs> so I ha I spent like two months uh, getting in uh, different music composer uh, like offers. And I decided uh, for the one and only Yemi, uh, which also became a really good friend of mine. Uh, the, the first, the, the most uh, awesome thing about her is that right from the first song that she sent, she blew my mind. So, like she blew my mind. So it was awesome right from the start. And then uh, I also added two, two writers to the game, which are Luminera and Pixel Slop, uh, which are also game developers. Shout out to Luminera, which is a really good RPG and nobody's quest. Um, but we, are, we were already friends with those two. I was already friends with those two game developers and we were having a lot of fun DMing back and forth and I asked them, asked them uh, to, to help me write uh, some jokes for the game and they, they are super uh, fun so uh, it's a really great team I'm really proud of everyone um, and yeah we have a lot of fun making the game uh, oh and finally as for myself uh, I do all social um, I, I do the community management on socials I do the I'm the only still like programmer of the game I do the level design, game design. Uh, I also plan the project, design enemies. Design enemies as the concept, not the actual sprite, but still. Um, yeah, I, I still do a lot of work and I plan to keep like uh, adding team members in the future so to, to lend some work uh, because I think it's really good for the project after all. That sounds very impressive, actually. We got pretty pretty big team for the game together. So. You started in 2017, you said. Um, yes. And that means you've been working on the game for around 
five years now. I, yeah, I consider, uh, sorry, I consider the actual start of the game when I hired Lucas in 2019. That's when I uh, started taking the game more seriously. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's five years since I, I had the original idea for the game, but we will, we'll say five years just to okay. <laughs> make it less complicated. I, I get that, but you had like this initial idea and you started working a little bit here and there, but you didn't take it seriously. And then 2019 rolled around, you hired Lucas and it went from there. It went um, into bigger places, let's say. If you look back at the development of the game, is there something where you say, okay, that could have gone better? Yes, a couple of things, actually. Uh, when I started making the game, I didn't know about resolution scaling because I was a kind of a newbie. <laughs> so the actual bullet hell doesn't scale up properly for displays. So we are looking to, yeah, we already have all the assets for that uh, section. There, there's two, there are three levels of bullet hell. We are looking to scale down the graphics so it, it can uh, be displayed on different uh, resolutions. That's one thing that I will uh, suggest to, to new game developers that check uh, what's your target resolution and check if you, if the game can scale up properly because it's a ton of work to to have to uh, redo all the sprites later on okay um and is there anything let's say apart from the people you hired anything in particular that went very well uh well yeah i think that uh the actual ex execution of the game is going to a place that i really like uh it started as a taping up together for genres of, of games, but I'm go I'm slowly tying them together with mechanics uh, that integrate uh, all of them into like a single thing. Uh, it's we it still will play uh, like a platformer, or an RPG, and everything. But you could have like the same type of weapons, uh, the same equipment, uh, armor, or, or different items uh, in all of the genres. So those things are going well. Uh, I think also. So uh, I really like how the um, how I introduced the multi-general aspect of the game. Uh, it used to be just three levels of bullet hell, but now it's a level of bullet hell, and then it throws into a, a, a multi-general level uh, that introduces all the genres. I I really like uh, how it ended up being because it's it hooks up the players into the into the concept of the game you get the the full experience right away so it's really nice um okay um and if you look back like from the initial inception to this point in time now are you satisfied with the development so far overall it's a hard question to to reply because i'm both satisfied and not satisfied i'm satisfied because every time i see i watch someone play the game they're having a great time and that's all that matters to me uh that's like the source of my happiness <laughs> but i'm always looking for for the like the what's bad about the game uh i'm being like too hard to myself sometimes uh i i think that's a problem with all game developers but still i think that i i'm, I'm too hard at myself sometimes but i'm looking into improving everything i think with time we'll we'll uh work all the issues it's gonna be a really nice experience when it's actually finished okay so what i'm curious about you already said or we already touched upon this a little bit that your game has like three genres combined or how did you come up with the idea like giving your game basically three separate genres into one 
and aren't you afraid that you're basically gonna um, lose audience over it because somebody who might be into RPG might not be into shoot 'em ups or somebody who is into jump and run might not be into RPG? So um, let's go a step back. I'm gonna do an example of what I consider an amazing game. Uh, to me, every single game, every single amazing game, uh, is composed of, of several parts. A unique concept, a unique enemy, or, or, or yeah, what, what you're fighting, and a unique uh, gameplay mechanic. Uh, my favorite game uh, of all time is Majora's Mask. I know not everyone likes it, but it has the, the unique theme that is uh, the moon crashing, a unique mechanic that is time traveling, and it has the, all the Zelda uh, theme uh, around the game. So uh, I think those three things combined into a perfect experience. So I, I was looking into those three things. A unique enemy, which was the ads, uh, which everyone hates, so it's going to be a re really great enemy from the get-go. Uh, a unique mechanic that, that was uh, the multi-genre. Uh, a unique setting, uh, which is traveling around the internet because I wanted to, to create a universe where everything can happen. And, and as, a for, as for the multi-genre aspect of the game, alluring any uh, players away from the game, I know, I know that that's a possibility. Uh, I think that um, I do a lot of work to to avoid that situation. Like in the JRPG uh, uh, battles, you can hold down space or, or the start button to actually uh, speed up the battles. So there's going to be a lot of uh, gameplay polishes to avoid players from being like uh, frustrated because they're playing a genre where they're not as great as. Uh, and also you can... The game is like an open world game. Uh, you can choose any adventures you want. You can go on the platformer episode, that which is like uh, you can go play uh, all the uh, platformer uh, levels to get up one uh, one after the other and never come back to the other parts until you finish those. Uh, and the game will also give you weapons for the other episodes uh, and items. So when you come back to the other episodes, there's gonna there you're already gonna have like uh, lots of. Uh, weapons and items that you wouldn't have otherwise. So uh, in that sense, uh, each episode complements the other, even though it's not the game game. It's not the same gameplay mechanic. And after all, if the game is finished and nobody likes it because it's a multi-genre game, I also think that somebody had to do it someday. Uh, I think I, I also do, do it for the art itself. And the, the, the art is trying um, something unique, something different, something you haven't uh, that is had it haven't that nobody else made so far. So I think uh, if I'm the I'm the guinea pig for that situation, I'm fine. I'm happy. Uh, somebody had had to do it, <laughs> so I'm happy about it still. Okay, that's fair. Um, the okay. So one last question about this topic would be for me. Um, how? I mean, you already hinted at that you wanted to do it. It's or that you did it in a way. It's an open world. You can choose. You can like mix mix and match the levels. Um, how do you plan on interlinking all these mechanics? together so there there are different ways of linking them together one is to having the same status stats like health or, or energy levels or mp uh the other are the weapons which not always will have the same effects 
like uh, we're working on on some weapons that will have different uh, uh, uses on the different uh, genres, but some others will be universal. Like like uh, you have a bomb on the platformer, you you can blow up a wall. You can use uh, that on on the roguelike or the or the RPG. It's, it doesn't matter. Uh, the other ways that we that we'll be linked together is that I'm thinking all of this as a universe. Um, I don't know if you if you played uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, yes, I did. But, uh, when you finish the game, you start as you finish the game. Sorry, you start uh, seeing that some of the characters from the different worlds start jumping to the other worlds. Uh, I think that that's a really great thing to have, and I'm doing also the same. Uh, as you uh, like finished, let's say, or let's say you rescue someone in in the platformer. You can see that character on the on the roguelike. In fact, there are some enemies from the platformer that are good guys in the roguelike. Uh, uh, it's funny to to have that uh, re role reversal of the character. Uh, and also, there's a, a clear example of this. But there are some characters that join you uh, on your adventure. Uh, one of them is a, a flying bat called. Uh, Bombwat, which is always partying and doesn't care about anything. He's so super. He's super selfish. But if you rescue him on the platformer uh, and you go to the roguelike, uh, the roguelike episode takes uh, place on a on, on a huge city called Donald City. There's gonna be a a, a huge uh, disco, uh, like uh, like a party place called the Hub. Uh, if you go to to the party there, you will see Bombwat after you rescue him. So I think those those small things are really important to tie all the, the different parts of the experience together. Uh, there is also gonna be um, yeah, li like I said, I, I think I said everything. But uh, yeah, I think having quests between the different episodes, the different genres, uh, having characters swapping back and forth, uh, all of that is really uh, necessary for immersion and for tying all the experience together. How did you start as a game developer? Back in 2014, I started going to the university. Uh, I always knew that I wanted to be a game developer, but I started studying uh, systems engineering because my family um, told me that, that it was the best choice for me. You know about families, they will always want to for you to be on the safest uh, path uh, you can do. Um, so I started studying that career. Uh, I was a really good, great student, but in 2017 I was I became really depressed. Uh, I didn't know what was happening to me. Uh, I still got really good scores and everything, but I was really sad. And uh, it occurred that I had a lot of creativity inside of me that I wasn't letting go to something. Like in, on those engineering career careers, you get like uh, put into a, a square box where there's no creativity sometimes on, on math or, or some other problems that you have to solve. So I, I was really depressed because there was a lot of creativity inside of me. And, and I started uh, like going back to that own self that I was, uh, that I had lost at, until at that point. Uh, so I started writing down ideas. I, I noticed instantly that I was super creative, that I wanted to design characters, that I wanted to write stories, uh, that I had a lot of fun doing that. And I started becoming really happy but I also started becoming a really bad student <laughs> so after all I'm really happy uh, of the results because I'm all I'm now super happy of what I do okay that sounds 
actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know personally also how it is uh, with parents and their expectations and what they want from you and that's sometimes not uh, the right thing for you. That's that's pretty common. I, I imagine just to... can You can uh, basically correct me on that. Um, if yeah, you... In my case, they didn't pressure me into, some, into anything. Uh, they okay. only hoped that that was the best for me. Uh, they okay. they were always really supportive of what I do. Okay. Uh, so there's oh they they're being always really nice to me when I switch careers. Okay. That, then then I've said nothing because I always imagine like that maybe um, that it's more complicated in your part of the world to tell your parents hey I'm gonna make video games but that might be oh yeah in, in Argentina now it's growing the, the industry is growing but back then. Uh, it was seen as you you were nobody if you did video games like it was really hard to to try to grow into that industry so yeah yeah i think yeah, south right america now. south america is still a little bit um behind basically in that regard um, but they are coming they are up on on the up and up um so yeah, i'm curious I know, I know a lot of really great developers from argentina so yeah. I, i'm curious all of them <laughs> shout out to all of them yes argentinian argentinian devs unite i'm curious give me um so here 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 here's the question um the how did the video game scene in argentina develop uh i don't really know about that but uh, i can tell you that is I, I i'm pretty sure it started like every other like in every other place um i think that passion uh, about games translate when you play a really good game and i think you just know um i think it's still tinted with lots of uh, uh things about just regular software uh, development uh but um it's going to something really great they're having a lot of uh, really cool events now there are lots of organizations that support uh small game developers that coach and mentor them um I even went to some events. Uh, I haven't shown AdWords there. I wanted to, but I never could make it in time. <laughs> but yeah, that's my guess. I don't actually know. You you don't actually know, so you don't know where like the the video game scene had its beginning. No console that was incredibly popular. Nothing. I think all the consoles were always popular in Argentina back okay. in the the nineties. Uh, I used to collect uh, Nintendo consoles, so. You could see uh, Nintendo branded uh, products in, in Argentina a lot. Uh, I think afterwards uh, it became really hard to to due to the economy issues. It became really hard to get uh, to buy Nintendo products uh, for a while. I had a Nintendo 64 when I was a kid. Uh, and it was really hard for me to get games. Uh, uh, but there, there's always been the Sony consoles. They, those are really popular in Argentina because they were like the cheaper version of, uh, of the other consoles, at least there. Uh, so I, I think a lot of people grew up with Sony more than Nintendo there. But, uh, but once you... But I think I used to be... Uh, no, no. 
that's all. <laughs> okay, but that was more the information I was looking for. The um, yeah, you think that more people grew up with Sony than Nintendo? Of course, that's your perception. You cannot say that for sure, but it's still an interesting impression that we can get. Like it's gaming. Uh, gaming is very different and also very cultural influence. So it it is kind of interesting to see where everyone gets their um their influence and their inspiration from so i'm i'm totally down for that uh so if you could change one thing about your game currently what would that be uh like i said i want to to scale down the graphics of the bullet hell and i also want to uh i'm learning how to be a better level designer i know that the some of the level level layouts aren't as great as they could be but i'm actively learning that to to improve them and i'm not uh closing on the idea of hiring another uh a, a game designer to help me so that's also a thing that i'm looking into for the future okay um you can now tell the audience anything you want about your game um you can also like talk about your links and where we can find you at uh, disclaimer i will obviously put all the links in the description for the audience so if he drops his link follow you find them there and you follow alpha glitch please because he's amazing so alpha glitch oh, please thank you um uh, yeah i think that if you play my game i would love to know your experience i like to chat with uh, different type of gamers and know what they like, what, what they didn't like about the game. Uh, I also would like to know if you get all the references because it's uh, it's really re been really inspired by a lot of things that I love on different games. So I really love to to know the experience about uh, the other players. Uh, you can follow me on on at at worst game on Twitter. You can follow me on on Instagram. It's um, at worst underscore and it's AdWords game on on Facebook if you'd like. I'm not using Facebook that much but still. <laughs> okay all the links will be in the description and a link to the Steam store page will be there as well so check that out. Uh, I think you have a demo up don't you? I also have a demo on Steam. Yeah. Uh, I'm working to update that demo uh, because we did a lot of uh, improvements on the early access version that that demo is missing. So in the following days, uh, I'll, I'm gonna update that demo. But it's a really nice demo. It's a, like an hour long demo and it features all the genres. So you get a, you get a pretty good sense of the game. Yeah. So tell people about the demo and you download it and try it out. Um, okay, so we are going to talk a little bit about the gaming industry. Um, just in general, uh, to get a feeling of how you are, how connected you are with current happenings. Um, do you still follow like the news? What is currently happening? What's going on? Where the trend is going? Um, in the gaming industry or are you more like ah, i'm more detached i just concentrate on my game and that's basically it um i i i don't actually play 
lots of games lately because I'm super busy, but I learn about new games uh, from social media, uh, mostly. I don't follow any anyone in particular, I just notice the trends. Uh, I also get recommended some games on Steam, uh, but I try to play mostly indie games lately. Uh, my poor Switch is collecting dust, sorry. <laughs> but uh, I, I already spent all my life playing retro games, so I'm done with that, uh, kind of. Um, I also uh, try to follow some of the news. Uh, I'm not a, that into online games, so uh, I'm not super up to date with those. Uh, but uh, the, the latest, newest game that I played was uh, Be Rising, which was really fun. Uh, I kind of play games like that uh, because some sometimes friends just give them to me or, or recommend it to me. And yeah, I, I always try, I'm, I'm always trying new things, uh, but I, I can play every single thing that comes out. Okay, um, so one thing that came to my mind when I played your game a little bit and also saw it a little bit. Um, so this is a double question. This also ties a little bit into the development, but it also like kind of ties in current video game uh, happenings. Um, Ad Wars is the name, right? And you're fighting basically ads. That, that's the game. If you look at the current video game um, situation where they think, where, where they actually plan on basically putting ads into the game, I mean, that's nothing new, but they are planning on doing it more intrusive or are experimenting with it. Uh, did that partially inspire you too with the game or is that more of a coincidence? And how do you feel yourself about having actual ads in video games? No, the funny part is that AdWords is slowly coming real. So uh, I'm a little afraid of that because I think that actually ads are taking over. Uh, but no, I, I, I just I just wanted to make a huge parody of companies and ads when I started making the game. I wasn't, uh, there was nothing in particular that inspired me other than that. I just wanted to have a, a, a crazy, unique enemy and what i think about ads in games is that um i know that revenue is becoming hard to to get from some developers um but i think some developers like uh i i i, I it's this this is a personal thing but i i'm not i don't really like when it's all about money um i think that developers are uh, artists at heart uh, so we don't have to lose that. I think that the, the consumers are becoming more demanding uh, each year, uh, but the companies are trying to be business safe always. They're not doing big jumps or big leaps or, or crazy things. So that's the, that's the role of the indie developers. We have to be the ones uh, pushing the, the industry forward and, and doing the, the artist part. Uh, and on that sense, I'm not afraid of, of parodying things uh, making jokes uh, I think we, it's, it's a must for us to, to keep on doing that so basically um, criticism through parody yeah not only criticism uh, also parody of life itself or, 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 or culture I think that uh, there's always a big role for us on, on that sense uh, because video games also prepare you for the real world uh, like movies or, or, or other things um, I think we get our, our values our, our identities on part of, of the art we consume so and also uh, I there's 
let, let me tell you an example. There's a character um, in, on one of the levels, uh, which is a gym level. There's a sauna section on, on that level. Um, and there's a character that that is kind of, uh, I don't know how to tell this with other words. Sorry if it's, if it's a bad word. Uh, I don't know how to say it the other way, but it's a little bit overweight, let's say. And he's stuck in there because, not because he ate uh, fast food, but because he ate a lot of healthy food. So I'm parroting not the idea of fast food. I'm parroting the idea of, uh, of people just being in your face trying to tell you that eat healthy. We all, we all do that in, in our personal lives, but it's funny to take those to be like a uh, role reversal in that situation and the fun part is that that character uh, i'm writing i took a lot of uh, i really like that character and i'm working on to adding him in, in other parts of the story on the new levels it becomes it has a, a big role um uh, so yeah it's it's i think it's that uh, i think it that um it's up to us to to uh, joke about things to to uh, tell you things that you wouldn't expect or or you wouldn't do to play around with things that you aren't necessarily in, in real life uh, I think that's all part of the of the art uh, to to take you away from your real life and and just put you in that crazy world where where you can be fighting against healthy food or or gym products or let's say uh, a, a duck that is inside of a pot of cream <laughs> like uh, I when I play in my case when I play games um, I try to to play around like it's a like a dollhouse like I'm now this character inside this world and doing this uh, because it's really a really nice experience always to, to play and get immersed into the games like that mm -hmm. so what do you um we we just touched on um uh on, on monetization you said you're not a fan of like everything is about monetization um so basically you are also in in quotations i mean i understand that every dev every publisher needs to make money to keep the lights on um i also don't want to um, take that away from them but uh, you're basically also against i feel like microtransactions or uh, even worse loot boxes right um yes and no uh there are some good cases of both of those uh where it's not tied into the progress of the game like you can play in the entire game uh let me give you a good example deep rock galactic i don't know if you played that uh but in that game uh you can buy a a DLC some skins just to help the developers just if you want to like donate some money to them uh, and you can play the entire game that you just paid without paying even more for more content I think that's awesome uh, another game that it did it perfectly for me was Risk of Rain 2 uh, they did an expansion which uh, added a lot of content uh, but it was made afterwards after the initial development of the game was finished so it's it's it makes sense for them to charge you because it, it costed actual money to, to invest into that uh, and I just don't like when the, the entire game is around the microtransactions or them making money like even Genshin Impact you, you can spend a lot of money to, to the game but you can play I think the entire game without spending that much I'm not a 
a huge uh, player. I, I don't know a lot of about that. Yeah, game. but that that, that is something. Has been, yeah, sorry. A friend of mine has been playing that game for a while and hasn't spent any money. So uh, I think yeah. that also works out. I, I don't think that this works out a lot because we are at a point where these games, if you want to play for free, essentially, um, demand a lot of time investments from you. So they will basically tell you you have to grind either eternally to get where you want to. I'm not saying that um, Genshin Impact is like one um, one of the, uh, the worst examples of that, but surely it demands a lot of your time to get uh, to to um, the progress that you need if you don't pay. Um, Overwatch 2 is pretty much guilty of that too, which releases tonight. Um, if you look at the battle pass, it's um, really, really bad. And uh, I feel like if you if people always say, yeah, it's okay um, that we can, it's, it's okay, we can play it for free anyways, it's okay. Um, I don't feel like that's necessarily the best way to go about it because Either they demand a, 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 an absurd amount of time investment, which a lot of people just don't have, because they then stick with one game and barely manage to get in there, because you might have a family, you might have a job, you might have whatever, and uh, to do, right? And then that's basically it. I feel like that these models are getting more and more unsustainable because who who's supposed to play all of that they want you to pay for it it's like psychological warfare that's why i'm i'm okay with with like one of microtransactions the one you mentioned like risk of rain 2 um where you basically get a product and then you get an expansion yeah there's there's no basically bullshit attached to it i i also bought cosmetics i'm pretty much also guilty of that but uh, I did that in games that I played 300 hours plus. So, and and my point or my personal opinion is more that, yeah, um, it is okay if they are free to play uh, and and whatnot. But I still feel like that, especially free to play games, when it comes to season passes and whatever, get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're totally right on that. Uh, I also think that they're good. It's, it's okay when they don't block any progress in the actual game. And it's like uh, a Microsoft transaction could be like a donation to the developers. But I think that it's uh, two things. One example that blows everything out of the water is GTA 5, because it, that's a perfect example of that. If you make a really great game, it, it will sell absolutely uh, for years. Like a Minecraft is still selling, uh, Terraria is still selling. There are a bunch of games that are really great and they still sell really well after years so i don't think uh companies have to worry if they make a good game they have they don't have to worry about microtransactions or other ways to 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 get more money from the players they will get it because the players are fans of it and that's the best the best relationship they could have and the second uh, thing uh, that yeah. i wanted to tell you is that i think the industry not now but in the future has to grow into different models of, of purchase. I really like uh, the uh, play now, then buy if you want, or, or 
donate whatever you want to the devs. I would like that for to be the the general approach to things, but I I know that uh, it doesn't always works out. But uh, that's a really good approach to things. Uh, or, or yeah, that's that's thing, those are things that we have to take more into into the into being normal or standard. That will be awesome because as I know that. Uh, I know how expensive games can be for for third world countries like Argentina, where you can either buy a game or you can eat. You, you can just choose. Do you want to have dinner or you want to have a game? <laughs> Not even dinner. Dinner for a week or a, or half of the month now. So uh, I know that games can be really extremely uh, um, expensive to buy. Uh, so I I know both sides. Uh, I know that also we have to make money as devs. So I think we need to open up for many other ways of funding and uh, and earning that money. Okay, um, that is true. Um, money needs to be earned in the in the end. Um, I I also kind of agree with you on that. Maybe the business model of games needs to evolve. But then again, we have so many ways of getting a game to the masses. We have Kickstarter. We have early access. We have a flat fee on Steam. We or on other launches. Um, we have free to play with microtransactions. We have just free to play as test projects or whatever so i feel like that we are actually also covered in that regard um the problem is obviously that i, I feel like it is more of an exposure problem that a lot of games have that they are not seen because there's just so many of them because everyone and i mean like literally everyone in their grandmother is making games right now because and and that obviously oversaturates the market and i do feel that this this is more of an issue than maybe the pricing or the business model uh how how do you feel about that um yeah i think exposure is a big issue uh i've seen it myself uh i was telling someone today on twitter that uh as early access we don't get a lot of exposure uh from steam we did when we just launched and it was crazy, but then it slowly went into nothing. Uh, exposure is a big issue for indies. Um, yeah, and I think we need to come up with a solution for that as well. Um, I think that uh, they're not, not always the best, but game subscription services help with can help with that. Uh, I've seen some friends that wouldn't play, like let's say, uh, the Spider-Man game on, on the PS5 or 4, uh, just accident, just randomly start playing it because they, it was free on their pass. Uh, that's a good way to to fix that issue. We need, we will need like a, one of those, but we, for indies, <laughs> I would say, uh, because sometimes that's a. It's really hard to to convey what's behind the the concept art or or the game logo or just the screens. A game could cap could have really bad uh, like a really bad presentation but then it could be awesome uh, um, I always think that we are missing out on some great games just because of that just because of great of first impressions or or maybe the game doesn't have the best graphics and we didn't pay we didn't like like that game because it was it just doesn't didn't look awesome uh, I think we're always missing out that, that on that uh, regard I think we need to come up 
with better ways for us indies to to get more exposure or to get into actual uh, uh, the hands of the gamers uh, uh, even the the hands that wouldn't play our games they need to try it out because they may like it and if they don't it's awesome still because that's also part of the of the art uh, liking it or disliking it and it, both things are accepted that, that's a good point okay one last question before we wrap it up how can indie games save the world uh by not having fear by being fearless by uh putting their heart and soul into the games by always uh uh trying to have that especially close relationship with the players uh i think that love love uh transfers through through the game development process into into the players and i think a great game can change your life i think uh, some of great of the best games i played have changed my life for the better so i think that uh someone who is having a bad time or is sad or, or any other thing can have their their days brighten up uh by playing a, a game that was made with love so i think that in that sense we can save the world of someone that is that is very inspiring i would like to close the podcast on this point alpha glitch thank you for being here i am the orcosaurus and you can find me on twitch.tv slash the orcosaurus i stream there indie games mostly um you can find me on youtube also as the orcosaurus where i do reviews of video games and then on all social medias just as the orcosaurus i'm there and uh, if you want to support my work on patreon you can do that by looking up the Orcosaurus. So thank you everyone for listening and bye-bye. Bye-bye.